It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It is the Greek for the Week podcast. We're going to get right into it today. You know, <laughs> we're going to mix it up a little bit. I like this because it's going to be really interesting. And it really why that I think this is going to be interesting because there are people that think that some of the translations that come out there, like NIV, ESV, KJV, NKJV, NASB, BSB, all the different... <laughs> PhD, all the different um, translations. Everybody has their favorite. I get this question more than any other question, and I say it over and over again. Reverend Palmer, Pastor Palmer, what translation? What translation do you use? And I'm gonna take the answer that my professor did, Prof. Roger Kuniman from my seminary back in the day. He said this, and I really love his answer. He says, "I think there's a place for all of them." I think there's a place for all of them. And you know something? I stand by that. Now, I have a collection of Bibles behind me. Those aren't all my Bibles. <laughs> I'm bragging about my Bible collection. <laughs> but I have a whole collection of Bibles. And I have all different translations, but not just that. I have in front of me Logos Bible Software, and I have all kinds of translations on here. And if you have a parallel, you, you have the same thing too. And I can appreciate all of them. And the reason is because I don't think there's a Dr. Evil sitting behind the desk somewhere with his committee making an evil translation. We say, well, things have been cut out of the Bible. That's so terrible. No, we're going to see that when you are translating or carrying the Greek into the English or whatever language you carry it into, there's exegetical decisions that have to be made because the way a word is being used, it's not always clear. And let me just, let me just state this. I believe God's word is infallible. I believe God's word is inerrant. I believe God's word is inspired. Okay, not on that area where we jeopardize that. But I think there's some things that we we'll have to look at, different ways a genitive can be used or different ways a dative can be used that gives room for discussion. And we're going to see that today. And none of this is going to change any of our major doctrines. None of it's going to put us into heretical territory. It's just looking at it, making an exegetical decision. If you go to seminary, this is what you're going you're gonna to end up doing is the professor going to say, how is that genitive functioning? How is that article functioning? How is that noun functioning? How is that verb functioning? And so uh, we're going to look at a preposition today. We're going to have to make a decision how the preposition is functioning here. And if you can make a case for it, you can suggest it. It should be translated this way. When you go to seminary, you are actually having to translate from the Greek. So you don't even get to use the English. You have to translate from the Greek. And sometimes your interpretation of it may differ from what an English version says, and that's okay, because remember, a committee gave you the English version. Uh, and so if you can make a case for it, you can disagree. And that's what we're going to do today. Don't throw me under the bus. I promise you there are other scholars that checked and have checked this out. Matter of fact, BDAG, who is the uh, BDAG is a Bauer and Danker, um, their uh, lexicon is the foremost lexicon and Greek authority in the world, and they would agree with me on this, or I would agree with them, I should say. I agree with them. And uh, NIGTC, New International Greek Testament Commentary, would agree with me on this, or I agree with them, as I said before. So if you're still listening and you're waiting with bated breath, let's get to it. We're going to talk about obedience today. 
we're talking about how Jesus obeyed. Obedience costs many times. It costs us everything. It costs us to follow Christ. He said, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That means you might lose friends. That means you might lose a possibility of making uh, a decision that puts you into fame or fortune. I mean, look at your life today. You followed Christ. It's possible you could have landed some big job or you could have landed wealth if you had decided to compromise in the area of your life. But following Jesus, you didn't make those decisions and maybe you wonder where it would have taken you. Well, it cost you that. Um, obedience costs a lot. Understand that. Following Jesus, it costs us a lot. And today, I'm, I hate to say it, but I don't think that gets preached enough. I'm not indicting anybody. I want to stay positive. I want to stay encouraging. I'm not indicting nobody. I think that if you got most ministers to talk, they would admit that. And they would say that. But sometimes it doesn't rev the crowd the way that it should. I noticed that when I post on social media things like this, views, not as much, likes, not as much. I've noticed that. And I'll talk personally. I know we're living in a negative world and people want to hear something that lifts them up, but I need to preach the gospel. And the gospel is that many times being obedient can cost you so much it leads to loneliness in some areas of your life. And nobody experienced that more than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number one. Let's go there. You know this scripture. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which clings so closely. I love this translation. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Pay attention to the context. This is very important for my argument here. That's going to back up how I am taking this preposition. This argument here is talking about laying aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets. So, boom, weight, boom, sin, boom. Run with endurance, sin, weight, endurance, sin, weight, endurance. You got that? That should be in your mind. And we just saw the hall of, of people that, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of saints, who did the same thing, okay? They did the exact, they did the same thing. And now it's going to give to us the ultimate person that we're supposed to follow, the one who is, the one who's better than all of them. This is the, this is the shout. See, I remember reading the book of Hebrews, I remember in Hebrews class, not Hebrew, but Hebrews class, when I was in my, new, in my undergrad in 2004, five, 2005, I had to, we all got sections, we all got chapters from Hebrew, we had to present to class, and I said that chapter 11 and 12, this, Hebrews is a sermon, actually, when you look at it, this is a sermon that's being said of why Jesus is better, why we should follow Christ and follow the way, following Jesus. This is the shout of the sermon. Now we get to Jesus, who is in the hall of saints, which is more than a saint. He's the son of God. He's God. But he's our number one example. Sin, weight, sin that so easily besets. And here we are looking to Jesus. Don't forget the context. The founder and perfecter of our faith. And it says here, who for auntie, the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right throne of God. The way this preposition for gets interpreted sometimes is the reason why he endured, okay, the reason why he um, went to the cross was because the joy that was set before him. And it would be like, you know, the joy of our salvation, the joy of his glorification, the joy of his resurrection, the joy of his sitting down at the right hand. But BDAG will tell you 
that this preposition here, anti, is being taken. Now, if you're a Greek student, you'll understand this. If you're not, uh, bear with me. Um, with a genitive object, which is tes charas, or the joy. If You'll see it in Greek a little bit farther down because the verb is comes after the verb here. So the word or is a little out of place. Um, uh, hos anti tes proskemenes auto charis. So the genitive's all the way over on the side. But nonetheless, it's with the genitive object, which means that it could be taken as a substitutionary interpretation, which means that it would look, it would be said, who instead of the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And I do believe that you can argue for this, and it's most likely should be instead of, you're not incorrect by saying it, it's either or, you just got to make a case, and I'm making a case that it's saying, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who instead of the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That changes things. That doesn't change it any major doctrine, but that changes the ballgame just a little bit. So what was the joy that Jesus denied and chose the cross instead? Hmm. I believe what the genitive here is pointing to and what this uh, preposition here is pointing to is that there were historical moments in the life of Jesus Christ upon the earth because it's comparing it now. Remember, we're talking about sin. We're talking about not choosing sin. We're talking about laying aside weight. That There are times where Jesus had to make a supreme moral decision against temptation and against temporary felicity and temporary happiness and choose the will of God instead, even though it meant his suffering. This was the life of Jesus. Look at his temptation in the wilderness. Jesus was promised the kingdoms of the world. Jesus was promised, okay, and all he had to do is bow down and worship Satan. There's tremendous themes in this that go back to Genesis chapter 1. Adam being the first Adam, Jesus being the second Adam. But Jesus, instead of choosing that happiness, he chose to do the will of God. And then you see Jesus in the garden the night before his crucifixion. Satan appears to him, or excuse me, uh, well, I mean, the, the, the Judas and them are on the way. He's being tempted to call upon the angels to deliver him from his impending death. And what does Jesus do? He takes the weight of it upon his shoulders and he endures the cross, puts aside his temporary happiness, his temporary relief, and he chose to follow after what God had set before him. And I think that we have to have this mentality that there's going to be times in our life where we have to have that anti-moment, that instead of moment. I could have this, but I choose this instead. I could please the flesh and have this moment of, of gratification or I could choose the way of suffering. And it's only suffering to your flesh. It's not going to be suffering to your spirit. It's not going to be suffering to your, your mind, your peace of mind. It's going to be suffering to the part of us that is awaiting redemption, and that is our flesh. But the good news is, is that with, with uh, choosing obedience, it always comes, maybe with suffering at first, but it ends up in ever lasting joy.
So I want to say this. Obedience doesn't mean complying to the minimum standards, or it doesn't mean that um, we can't enjoy the blessings of God in our life, or uh, that God wants us to suffer this whole way through, and that you know we're going to obey, and so our lives are going to be going to be terrible. That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is that there is you you just as certain as my name is Chris, just as certain as your name is whatever your name is. There's going to be moments where you have to decide: Am I going to please the flesh, or am I going to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets me, and am I going to endure this for the sake of the gospel and for the kingdom of God? And the way that we can do this. As we look unto Jesus, we read the Gospels, we look at what the Word says about him, how he had a battle with the flesh uh, in, in the sense of he was tempted by Satan and he overcame. There's no sin inside of him, but he was tempted from the outside. And you know something? There will be times in your life where the enemy comes to you from the outside and tempts your flesh and tempts your humanity the way he tempted Adam, the way he tempted Christ, he's going to tempt you in that same way. That's what I mean. And you have to say, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to lay it aside. I'm going to remember what Jesus did. I'm going to endure this. It may cost me, but I'm going to endure it. And I can tell you, when you do that, you'll be following after Christ. And that, that is faith. It's following after Jesus. That's what faith is. Following the example of the one in whom you have placed your trust. So today, remember, if you're suffering because of obedience, you have many people that went before you and did it. You had the Lord Jesus, number one, and you had all those who were following the gospel plan. And I think what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that if this is the case, then we are in good company, and that should be comforting to us. Amen? So today, choose obedience instead of the sin that easily besets us. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. We certainly appreciate your viewership. Make sure that you share this with a friend, give it a few likes, and tell somebody to follow it. Uh, if you feel so prompted, give it a five-star review, and we will see you next time on Greek for the Week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.